And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by a nice warm cup of Strava Craft Coffee. It's what I've got right here. And the reason I've got it is because I use the promo code DNVR20. I was able to get 20% off my entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. Of course, you know host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. You know Patrick Lyons, beat writer, with us. As almost always, we, we really appreciate A.J. Hayfley stepping in to pinch hit yesterday for some World Series chat. We have got to discuss for you on this episode, though, a little bit of news. There's stuff kind of going on out there in the world. That's fun. Both Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman? Nominated for gold gloves. Trevor Story, not nominated for a gold glove. Also, Daniel Bard wins comeback player of the year. We'll have some thoughts about that. Uh, but first and for- foremost, I actually want to send out our thoughts to everybody, especially Colorado people. We hope you are all safe uh, from the fires. You know, uh, updates for us. The, the Boulder area is much clearer now from uh, the Cowwood fire, which had been something that existed. But just overnight, another one as I'm sure you all have heard about, uh, has totally exploded and, and taken out the beautiful city of, of Grand Lake. And, uh, you know, there are um, yeah, a lot of people in our community who have been uh, impacted by this, both just here on staff, uh, a lot of you out there. Uh, we sent out on from the main DNVR account uh, a thread, a list of places where if you want to help, if you want to donate, a little bit of your money, you can do that uh, to help the firefighters who are, who are so heroically out there risking their lives uh, to try to minimize the damage of these. So we want to make sure that everyone out there, um, hopefully you're, you're, you're safe, you're doing well. And if you have the means to help out those who are going through a tough time, uh, hopefully uh, you can do so. Yeah, rough, rough time right out there. And, and yeah, our, our main DNVR account, we have a tweet going out. People link in. And, and communicating uh, different charities and stuff out there. But the main big ones are usually the best and the easiest ones uh, to go to uh, as, you know, the firefighters themselves, they're on the grounds, they're, they're doing what they need to do. Uh, and there's other folks that can, can help out with that. So if, if you want to do that, you absolutely should. And we've got those links, check them out on our Twitter account. Absolutely. Uh, another bit of sort of, it's both personal and professional news, I guess, because our friend and our colleague and uh, someone we've worked very closely with in the Colorado Rockies organization over these last several years, Warren Miller, who was the head of public relations, head of media relations there, basically uh, the guy we went to whenever we would 
oh, for example, say we've got 31 guests we want to have for a live draft show. We want to have as many ball players. We want to talk to the head of player development while he's in the middle of advising the general manager about who to take in the draft. Warren Miller is the person that a lot of you out there never saw who makes those things happen. We run those things through him. He had spent over 30 years in baseball, six of them with the Colorado Rockies. He was always a pleasure to work with, even the handful of times he and I had uh, those heated exchanges, which are going to happen when somebody publishes something that's critical of the team that you're not especially thrilled about or you didn't think was fair and you've got to stand your ground. And even in those moments, nothing but respect. And uh, it it was always a privilege. And uh, we're going to miss Warren Miller and his deep Kentucky voice and his attitude and and, and everything. And the way he would rib Thomas Harding for asking about the starting rotation every single day, all of it, man. We, one of the one of the greats. I'll mi- I'll miss his food recommendations because when whenever we would go out on the road road, he always knew the best spots to hit up. Or okay, you want to go to this place to get a burger. Actually, he had a burger named after himself. Uh, at a, I can't quite remember the name of this baseball bar in in New York City, which unfortunately recently shut down. But uh, yeah, he's he's a well traveled guy and um, you know loves San Diego just as much as as I do. He, he might even love it even more. Uh, as far as a city uh, to travel to and, and to live in, it's uh, it's a beautiful place. And, yeah, it's it's going to be weird without, you know, seeing Warren around there. But uh, we know the Rockies are, are are in good hands. They've they've got some good prospects still uh, within the organization uh, that have been working underneath Warren that have been doing a fantastic job. So uh, we wish you the best, Warren. Yeah, man. Just like – We'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch, too. Hopefully, at some point, we can route, reach out, have him on the podcast, talk about his tenure, talk about even, uh, you know, his push for allowing, like, alternative media in places that weren't just the old school newspapers. And, you know, back when I was with Purple Row, he was a big part of making that a, a regular thing. And now Sam Bradfield, uh, who's running the show over there, you know, she's been on, on this show several times. Uh, she's got a regular spot right there in the – press box and that wouldn't have been possible without a lot of fighting on behalf of Warren Miller against a lot of establishment beliefs about alternative forms of media. And uh, like there's so much to talk to. So it would be great uh, to to discuss. And uh, yeah, (laughs) he also, that's right. While the innocent would go by not ski guy on Twitter because Warren Miller is also the name of a famous ski filmmaker who uh, actually th- th- those films are incredible. Warren Miller ski films are fantastic. So check out both Warren Millers. Uh, but we, we appreciate ours just a little bit more than that. Um, all right, let's jump into the, the topics of the day. The award stuff, Patrick, we'll begin with the gimmies. Uh, Daniel Bard winning comeback player of the year. We've talked about it a lot. I don't know how much more there is to add other than to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was a slam dunk uh, of of the three National League finalists. I think mainly because you know the two other guys, you know, Will Myers, are, he had a down year and came back and played really great in twenty twenty. Okay, uh, Adam Duvall struggled mightily for twenty nineteen. Was was in the minor leagues for a good majority of it. But again, those are things that a lot of ball players have to deal with. It. 
uh, in fact, there's just a, a wide chasm between the typical amount of, of comeback stories. You know, you really think of, of the comebacks as, as guys who were away for a while or had to go through, you know, severe surgery and you never knew what to expect out of a guy. And for Daniel Bard to have disappeared for seven seasons and to have the success <laughs> that he had, I mean, it's, it's really unlike anything. And in fact, there was only one comeback player of the year award for both leagues. I mean, I, I still think his story is, you know, even harder to fathom than a guy like Carlos Carrasco, who, you know, returned after leukemia. So again, another great story. Uh, we've seen, we've seen Chad Bettis do come back uh, after, after cancer. And uh, Salvador Perez was, was one of the other American league candidates uh, who got nominated because he had Tommy John surgery. But those are things that just kind of happen in a typical career ha- career. Having something like leukemia is, is, you know, really, you know, beyond the pale. Like another step, yeah, but, but absolutely. Yeah, but, and but being away from the game years. for seven years, seven is, years, there's is unbelievable. There's and and he, again, you think you go, well, even if he wasn't as good as, uh, and didn't have as, as positive of a season in 2020, you go, he's still a finalist because, just being able to come back like that doesn't happen. Like you don't have, we, you know, we said it early in the season, Hey, this is a great story and eh, it'll probably fizzle out after a week or two weeks, just because we don't see guys coming back after that long of a layout. So, you know right. what? It's a great story. We gave it a shot, but the dude made it last. And now it's at a point where the Rockies, you know, they've, they've got a trade chip. They've got a guy they can still keep around. Cause he's, he still, you know, uh, has another year of arbitration eligibility, and you go, "Wow, the Rockies really lucked out and got something valuable." So the fact that not only did he come back, but was such a, a huge member of that bullpen, and for better or worse, you know, if he wasn't there, you know, maybe the Rockies would have had the first pick overall and would have had the worst record. On one hand, it would have been bad. On the other hand, it would have been great. Yeah. But he was pivotal. He was pivotal yeah. in that bullpen where, at times, at times, it was Yense Almonte. Daniel Bard, and that was it. And so to be 50% of the Rockies bullpen when, you know, and in February when we're going to spring training, he's he's nobody. He's nothing. He's a guy that's ultimately, you know, the Diamondbacks mental strength coach. And he ends up being 50% of the Rockies 2020 bullpen. It's, it's unbelievable. I was there for his first start in spring training after having not pitched in seven years and he walked two guys and then gave up like a 480 foot bomb. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like, well, that's cute that they brought Daniel Murphy back. Nice story. Or Daniel, Daniel Bard back. And, and, you know, nice story. He'll be out of here by the end of spring training. And then even when they announced they were bringing him and I was like, well, I guess there's no one else that, you know, was just demanding the spot. So, okay, see what he's got, throw him out there. I saw on the gun, he hit 98. That's kind of neat. See what, and then you saw once the season started, he was at 98 on the black, backing it up with a pretty solid slider. And you're like, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, we, we talk about how, how impressive it is. You go, well, Ubaldo Jimenez was trying to make a comeback and dude didn't even make the roster, you know, wasn't right. just wasn't competitive enough, didn't even get the nod for the alternate site. So right. again, it, it's just it's so impressive. And and Christopher uh Cohen, uh great save remember, says, Where was Tyler Matzik in the comeback of, of the year voting? He should have been in the top three. Now he he wasn't one of the three finalists, 
Uh, and again, as I said, when we, we started talking about this, Myers just had a down year in, in, in 2019. He wasn't, he was, he's never been a superstar. You know, if Mike Trout has a you know a really down year in 2021, let's say, right? And you go, oh man, this is really weird. And then has a phenomenal 2022. I mean, yeah, all right. I, I, I guess, yeah. I guess that's a story, but we're not talking about that at all. So Will Myers, no, thanks, but it's not much of a comeback. He just rebounded from a season. Adam Duvall, <laughs> right. nice Nice story, but again, rebounded from some difficulties. Yeah. Tyler Matzik, Christopher makes a great point here yep. that, yeah, Matzik should have been in those final three. He was a reliever, just like Bard. Might not have been a closer, didn't have the same flash with saves. But, closer bias. you know, 2019, he comes back, you know, contributes to uh, Equinette there uh, for Atlanta, but ultimately has a major gap in his history from 2016 to 2020. And right. goes out and, and and does what he did and, and contributes in the playoffs, which obviously isn't always a part of the end of a part of the end of the year award voting. But uh, absolutely, Matzik should have been in that top three. Hundred percent. Toast your next Breck brew, by the way, to Tyler Matzik. Uh, I've been drinking, of course, the Palisade Peach. You know that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that new Broncos Country thing they got going on. That Ooh. thing is pretty dope. I haven't tried it out yet, so I can't speak personally for it, except to say that so far 100% of the Breckenridge beers that I've tried have been good. So they would they would really have had to have messed this thing up in a unique way for that Bronco country not to be good. And sources tell me, and yes, my sources are Rudo, that it's absolutely delicious. So check that out. Check out the Palisade Peach. You can always go back to that avalanche amber ale if you just want your steady you know what you're getting either way though you know what you're getting with breck brew whether you're getting it from king supers or down in the liquor store or out at the farmhouse open from noon to 8 p.m you call them at 303-803-1380 use promo code dnvr you'll save five bucks off the food and the beer whether you're just doing the pickup at the curbside there or taking a little socially distanced outdoor beautiful dining experience for yourself whichever way you want to go breck brew gonna make your day better and like i said toast one out there to tyler matzik who absolutely should have been a part of this conversation uh and you know quick side note on that I, i've seen a handful of people you know temp wanting to you know use the argument oh man just another guy the rockies screwed up and could have had and do whatever and Oddly enough, I don't hear anybody saying that about the Boston Red Sox and Daniel Bard. Strange how that works out, right? Uh, just these are great stories of individuals. And, and, and I think that that's, these are both times where we've got to separate individual humans who just have issues in their life that they have to overcome. And it had, it had nothing to do with where either of those players were, who they were playing for. They had to overcome those issues. Then they got a chance to come back. And, you know, the Rockies get credit for giving Bart a shot. The Braves get credit for giving Matzik a shot. But ultimately, it was up to those individuals to overcome very real things that, that made it so that they were considered by all 30 teams to be inviable options at the major league level for several years. They had a lot of proving to do. Uh, and it's amazing that they did it. So let's not try to turn it into some sort of negative story about the Colorado Rockies. There are plenty of legitimate ones of those. Tyler Matzik's a good human story. 
yeah, love that angle because that is professional sports is is a people business. And you're right, just something happens where things just don't link up for guys. You know, there we know how great of a manager Bud Black is, but there could be some guys in that clubhouse who, for whatever reason, they might not play their best with Bud Black at the helm. Now, granted, they might play better somewhere else. They might not, you know, win a World Series. They might not go to the playoffs. But for them as individuals, maybe they're they're more individual players, and they're not team players like like Bud Black likes to to develop and and work with. So it's just one of those weird things where you know we we've we've already talked about Gary Sanchez possibly being one of those trade targets for the Rockies, and by all accounts, you know Sanchez has been with the Rockies, uh, excuse me, the Yankees organization for over a decade. Was an international amateur signing at 16 years old so hey he's been there a long time and and he just maybe needs the the, the change broken just so he could go and, and move on to somewhere else david Dahl, again the, the questions about his health still yeah. remain and you go do you want if you if you care about david Dahl as a human being do you really want him playing at altitude for the remainder of his career or at least until he becomes a free agent no so yeah. you go, yeah, so you say, well, you know what? Yes, maybe we're not going to get back what we can for David Dahl. Maybe we should have him slog through another season and wait for him to regain his stock. Or maybe you go, you know what? This guy, we're worried about his health. He's he's a member of our family, and we're going to, you know, in this case, do what's right for him instead of doing what's right for us. If they did that, that's fine. But I think like with te- uh, Tyler Matzik and obviously Boston saying, you know, goodbye to to, to Daniel Bard, you know, you're doing what's right for the person and you could say the same thing about scott oberg and blood clots so i mean again it's it this is this is a people business and sometimes you don't you know get your return if we're we're talking about the the history of draft picks and maybe not developing as well that's fine but if we're talking about how great of a year tyler matzik had in 2020 the death star and what he meant to this atlanta team let's just talk about what tyler matzik did to get his game back together and wish him nothing but the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. To the other slam dunk, to the surprise of zero people in the world, <laughs> Nolan Arenado has been nominated for his, uh, we're on eight, right? Eight, eighth consecutive. Yeah. <laughs> just, Infinity, uh, technically, just every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his eighth consecutive gold glove nomination which he will, spoiler alert, skip ahead if you don't want me to give away the future. He's going to win <laughs> his eighth consecutive gold glove. Uh, thoughts? The, the better question is, <laughs> is he the platinum glove winner? Right. Which that's the better question to ask. Sure. And even still, you got to like the odds on that. It's pretty good because so, Chapman, uh, I think, had uh, fewer opportunities this year, so the numbers weren't quite as, as there. And then he got hurt at the end of the year, um, which still, that was a smaller sample size. I, I think he still played like 50 games or something, but um, in a small sample size, just having a few fewer number of balls hit your way is going to dramatically impact your DRS and UZR and all the fancy stats that are um, used to decide these things, at least a little bit. Now, all of those stats are used to inform uh, who gets nominated, which might help explain by the way, <laughs> <laughs> the other Rocky who was nominated for a gold glove. Matt which, <laughs> Right. Exactly. Close. Slight, slightly less surprising than that. Slightly <laughs> less surprising than that. 
Uh, yeah, now, Patrick, you and I actually talked all year about how Charlie Blackman was noticeably, visibly better on defense this season than he was uh, the year prior, his first year having gone from center field over to right field. Uh, he was making some great plays. He was just covering more ground. He looked more comfortable on kind of in-between plays or whatever. But still, neither of us at any point during this year said, so be on the lookout for that Charlie Blackman Gold Glove nomination. Yeah, pr- precisely. I, I, you know, I, I think you know, with, with lack of outfield assists, and you know, he, he has zero opportunity, literally zero opportunities to rob a home run. I mean, I guess if you were pl- if you started on the warning track, Cody Bellinger's up, so you get a head start to start climbing on the Breitich barrier. So he's never going to be in any major highlights for that. Right. right. Um, right. So, so that's a non-factor. Imagine yeah. What they do in Japan, like when they climb up on the top of the wall and stand up there and catch it. And- that's, that's regarded as the greatest catch of, of all time. Yeah. That yeah. was a guy I want to say maybe late seventies, but uh, fan, fantastic one. So he, you know, he doesn't have those highlights to his resume. You know, we've, we've seen him already make the shift from center field to right field. The DH was implemented in the national league. So you go, all right, I see where this is trending. It's trending downward for a guy who has yet to win a Gold Glove award, and so to see him as one of the three finalists, Mookie Betts, it's is a lock to win his. Uh, I think it's fifth in a row, um, in in right field. Of course, the first one's coming uh, in the American League, but still, just to be you know acknowledged as a finalist, you go. Certainly, there has to be a metric out there that gears towards Charlie Blackman as as being a favorite. You know, somebody was watching. Or somebody saw something that suggested he was worth a vote, and and he, you know, again by all accounts, you know, I, I can remember towards the end of 2018, you know, making a, a couple, you know, odd plays, and in, uh, in, in 2019, just the defense of the he he made two errors in one game, I think, right around yeah. that time, and it was okay, you know, he's he's on the downswing, but I never had that thought this year. Didn't have the thought he was a Gold Glover, but definitely didn't have the thought that. Yeah, this is the same Charlie Blackman we've seen from the last season and a half. He did take a step forward uh, overall. I did see that his UZR ranked yes. second. Uh, and and actually, it reminded me very much of a shift that – because I had written about this. One of the first things I, I wrote about when I first started like blogging in 2013 was uh, uh, Alfonso Soriano with the Cubs and – he had these. He was a bad defender, and he had terrible uh, defensive metrics. And then what the Cubs did was they just put him basically three or four feet in front of the warning track. They played him as deep as possible in left field without it looking completely absurd. And what that did, because once he got going, he could still run a little bit, and he had a good arm, was dramatically cut down on the extra base hits that went out to left field. A bunch of singles got hit in front of the guy and that, you know, he was never going to make a great play, but he basically was playing no doubles all the time. So nothing got over his head and his defensive numbers went through the roof, but I'm not sure he was necessarily uh, a, a more valuable commodity on defense. Maybe he was, he certainly wasn't costing them as much probably with the balls that had been getting over his head before. And I sort of look at this season from Charlie Blackman and what you just said, and it was like, yeah, he went from a guy where you would know maybe once a week, like, ah, that ball got by him. Ah, that one got over his head. 
uh, if he maybe takes a better angle there or if he does a, a little this or that. And we basically had none of those this season. That So I don't know if he was just positioned better, um, but what it was, but it's like, yeah, he was just in a, in a spot that the stats probably went, well, he stopped m- making mistakes and you don't give up those extra base hits. I've learned the more I look into the defensive stats, those extra base hit kill you. Uh, so the fact that, you know, a bunch of singles might fall in front of guys at center field isn't as bad in the metrics, but maybe still not. Your pitchers don't love it. Yeah, his outs above average was, uh, I believe, tied for 27th for right fielders <laughs> in all of baseball. But right. UZR, as you said, uh, he was second uh, in the NL West right behind Mookie Betts. And the second, uh, the guy who was in, in second overall in the NL was Jason Hayward. And those were your three guys as far as qualified right fielders go. So that's a metric that you look to say, all right, maybe maybe this is what – uh, is being viewed as as the standard bearer, at least by you know the, those that that vote on that. And you have to go back to last year and think about you know as you bring up with the positioning of Alfonso Soriano out there in left field at Wrigley Field when he was with the Cubs. Is last year there were a lot of questions about where Colorado placed their outfielders and how they were you know essentially yes. too deep. And you got to say, all right, they go back to the drawing board and. You know, Charlie implements uh, some new things behind the scenes as far as getting, um, you know, his teammates and himself hitting better on the road. And we, we've, you know, we saw it at the beginning of, of 2019. And granted, the win, win-loss win record hasn't really, you know, played this out. But since the beginning of 2019, where they brought in Rapsodo and, and they sent several guys, you know, off to driveline, again, the success of those players is is kind of moot a little bit. Colorado is starting to really embrace those analytic sides. And again, we're not seeing in the win-loss column, but we really could start to see, you know, this being the start of that that change with the technology that they're using down in spring training in Scottsdale, uh, with Charlie Blackman, you know, using these new machines uh, to mimic uh, off-speed pitches that they would they were typically gonna see, you know, when at when at sea level. And and again, potentially this idea that they went back to the drawing board and say, you know, we really do need to focus on where we position our outfielders. Yeah, there's, it's gigantic. You know what I mean? It's it's almost like Rocky Mountain National Park. Also, right make it there. smaller, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Rocky. It's RMNP right there at 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 twentieth uh, and Blake. But you know what? We can cut down on a couple doubles here and there and take away a couple triples here and there, and that's really going to add up. So it's interesting to think that that you know could have been part of you know, Charlie's success, uh, and, and he makes his own success as well, but that, that was part of the success that we can immediately see it in UZR. And that's an only a, a 60 game season. So you think, Hey, maybe if you really got that under control, that, that could be a real advantage to Colorado pitchers 2021 and, and beyond. And I also think there may be something to, you know, the occasional games that Charlie did DH and thinking, critically and wisely about when you can give your your older outfielder a day off so that he's more rested he can go run those balls down in the gap especially in night games you know he would dh a lot in those day games then you've got some fresher legs out there and so i think that's something for charlie to consider that hey you know i may not love dhing but if i do it once a week it dramatically increases or maybe twice a week as he gets a little older, my ability to cover some ground out there and actually be a value defensively for my team, you know, and we can debate how much he 
you should or shouldn't have, you know, wound up in this gold glove category and whether the numbers are getting a little bit fooled in the small sample size, which they are. Um, but it, it is still noteworthy that Charlie went from a problem defensively to a guy who, when played properly, can be an asset that way. That's an interesting takeaway from the year. No, that's huge. I, I, I love that angle too, because I think that's something that Charlie could probably take away and say, well, you know what, as much as I might not like DHing or, or being a full-time DH, it's going to make me more a, a productive player. It's going to, you know, elongate my career in a lot of ways because, Hey, he's, he can kind of taste free agency again, or and if not free agency, like a big payday, just this idea that, you know what, at a certain point, he's not going to have a contract with Colorado. And especially if there's going to be no DH in the National League, which remains to be seen, how can you, you know, stretch out that career? How can you continue to stay productive? And, you know, as you said, hey, there's a DH this year. Well, by all accounts, everyone was kind of pointing to Charlie Blackham. Even with Daniel Murphy there at first base, you go, yeah, but Charlie, Charlie's going to be your DH. Right. And, you know, that's going to happen when your skills really deteriorate and you, you know, you start to see some of the things we did in, 2018 2019 but hey let's supplement that that ability to play right field with with a couple off days and and becoming a dh and kind of embracing that more then you say no no he's not a dh i mean you can't put him out there for 150 140 games a season but he's a guy that a national league team goes all right we know we just need to give him some off days but he's still a a, a vital bat off the bench and you know what yeah we'll we'll give him a, a two-year deal at 36 37 years old uh still paying him you know six seven million dollars whatever it may be yeah. and that could be all due to the fact that you know what you might not like the dh but it's going to be a, a supplement to help really you know lengthen that career of his yeah absolutely well someone who might be a little bit frustrated today normally he would take that out with the wacky stick on the baseball Maybe, though, because I know this guy's a big golf guy. Maybe he's getting out there on the digital golf course with that wacky stick, downloading totally for free, though I suspect he could afford to pay for it if he wanted to. WGT Golf from DNVRGolf.com. Loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play closest to the hole or full-stroke play on world-famous golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Beth Page Black, and more. You can compete head-to-head -head with members of the DNVR staff or any number of people out there in our three DNVR clubhouses. It's a whole lot of fun. Talk a little trash, whack the digital golf ball around, uh, have some fun. Uh, I've always enjoyed it, especially when I'm, you know, standing in line at the bank or at the grocery store somewhere, taking a little longer than I want. You take out the phone, you play a couple of holes of WGT golf. A lot of fun. And like I said, it's totally for free. You can get it on your phone or your computer at dnvrgolf.com. And the man who might be taking out a little frustration with that wacky stick, there would be the shortstop Trevor Story, not nominated for a gold glove at short uh, after having been a year ago when it, and there have been like this uphill battle of, of feeling like he maybe should have been the year before, right? And so much like as Drew was saying, with Trevor Story there, as we see him pop back. With Trevor Story, again, frustrating. You know, last year when he was uh, a finalist for the second year in a row, and you, you see Nick Ahmed going back-to-back -back with his gold glove there as a shortstop. This year, it's you almost 
don't realize how good you had it the last couple of years because Trevor Story is, is not a finalist. And, you know, we saw at the beginning of the season that he got off to a real rough start, made a couple, you know, unusual, unforced uh, or forced errors, depending on if you're Drew Creaseman or not. Right. Uh, Drew Creaseman stat, love it. But, you know, he made those errors and you go, man, that really has to kind of uh, put him in the, the back of the race. Again, if you get to a ball that nobody else gets to, is that necessarily an error? Now, in those instances of those plays early on this uh, 2020 season, those were routine plays that, you know, he should have made. And, you know, sometimes the, the first impression you make is can be the only one. Uh, that gets made and so no one goes back and checks to look at outs above average and, and sees that he's still you know uh relatively speaking uh, among the leaders and you know look at his uzr and 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 you say well you know what nick ahmed's gonna get a break because it's like in boxing you got to beat the champ to be the champ so the champ's gonna get a little bit of a break story was you know and also ran there in uh, the last two seasons so you know, you, you got to earn your keep to stay up there, and uh, he's not one of the, the finalists. And neither is Fernando Tatis Jr., which is really the guy, if you're talking about who should be a finalist, he should have been in that list, especially when you're looking at outs above average. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as, uh, right, right as my internet crapped out, I was about to say, uh, it's kind of a Rorschach test, and this is something I, I'd love to dive deeper into with you in the future uh, and, and do uh, – what do you value in defense conversation? I think I talked about this like four years ago on the podcast. I remember really diving into this notion that, because like defense, as you approach it, as the ball players approach it is a fundamentally different thing from offense. And I'll, I'll give you an example of Carlos Gonzalez, who's experienced a couple of injuries in his career. is playing right field and his team is up three to two in the eighth inning of a game and the, the team is still in contention and a guy hits a ball to the wall. Cargo is going to do everything he can to catch that ball. He might go crashing into that wall. He might go diving, whatever he's going to do. He's going to try to catch that ball. If at Coors field, he happens to be down 10 to one because that happens. And the exact same ball is hit. And I'll tell you this right now. And I hope I'm not speaking out of school, and I don't think that I am. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez told me himself, I'm not going after that ball. He shouldn't. You shouldn't go after that ball. And that's going to impact your DRS and your UZR and all the other things, right? And we don't have contextual defensive stats. And so that's one of the things. That, so this Trevor Story case is so absolutely fascinating. You're 100% right. Statistically speaking, you got to more balls the most shortstops when you get to, right? At a higher rate of balls, which of course is going to increase the chances for you to make errors. So 10 errors in 57 games looks bad, but it's like, how bad were they? And and you almost need to go back and look at all 10 of them. It's kind of like we did with the DJ LeMahieu home runs in New York, right? You almost need to go back and look at all 10 errors and say, okay, that one was a terrible error that it just cost his team or whatever. And I, I can think of two off the top of my head that were just awful. But if the other eight were, you know, he took three steps and dove and picked up a ball that nobody else was going to get to. And he jumped up and he threw over his head and it skipped in the dirt and Daniel Murphy whiffed on it. And he got a throwing error because the guy went to second base and we're, and, and that's the reason that Trevor story isn't in contention for a gold glove this year. 
that sucks. <laughs> and, and, it does. It does because Story was first in in all NL shortstops in UZR. So you know, you you go and look, and he was getting to those baseballs. Absolutely right. And you know, anyone who's who's followed Bryce Harper's career, and, and there's been other players like him too, but uh, Harper's is, is the first one that jumps out where he was too aggressive. He he just busted his butt too hard and, and, and had a, you know, a couple injuries going to, against the wall and, and just running down first base went too hard. It, it's weird to say that about pro athletes and winning ball games and how you got to fight every single time you have to know when to take plays off. I mean, we could, we could talk to RK and, and Zach and, and the boys at DNVR Broncos, because there's guys who you got to know when to take, you know, plays off and, and when to, when to, be working hard, even though you know when the ball's not coming to you, you got to just make sure to, to, to keep that cornerback just on his toes to know when when's the right time to, to bust out. And, you know, guys need to to say that. And so for the Rockies, yeah, you know, have they had more of those moments where there's been blowouts and and then the pitching is is just been atrocious and maybe they come back, but you're right. In that moment, it's the fifth inning, it's 10-1. Odds are Colorado's not going to come back. And until they do, you know, nice, healthy jog to right center field, throw the ball in. Congratulations on, you know, your second triple of the game, Trey Turner, whatever it is. Right. Uh, but you, you have to kind of take those moments. We see it. You know, we've got position players coming into games to pitch late because, hey, you just got to give up this game. We've seen in the playoffs, teams going, hey, this is just going to be a bullpen day. Because we don't we don't have those horses because we got to be ready for tomorrow or game four, game five, whatever it is. And so defense can be, you know, one of those moments at times. It's it's quite possibly a, a small percentage, but you know, that could be the difference in, in pushing one guy ahead over another. And again, that's something we don't see. We do see the errors and we can very clearly point and go, not a good defender. It's easy to say that, but it's so much harder to figure out the context of all those plays that could have been, may have been, but were not. Yeah. Uh, another guy who it's strange that I get to reach back to specific conversations with both of these players, but who told me explicitly, I wish early in my career, I hadn't gone full out every single play every single time was Troy Tulowitzki. And, and you know, the, the, the physical toll that that took on his body, he talked about that. And this was all on record. So this isn't all, I wrote about this at the time. It took a physical toll on his body, but other than like he talked about like mistakes he would make. He's like, man, I'd go and dive for a ball and hop up and try to throw a guy out. It's like I had no chance of getting that guy. And Todd would have to like pull me aside and be like, he was, you're not making that play. I know you think you can make every play. You're not making that play. Eat that baseball. In fact, don't dive for that baseball because you know, get your internal clock right. You're not gonna throw him out. A single to left with you diving and potentially breaking a rib or a hip or something. Or kicking the ball out into left field and foul territory. Right. Extra bases. A ball through the six hole is let the left fielder pick it up and throw it to the second baseman. And, and Tula was, you know, and I probably, I was talking to him during a time when he was going through some real rough injuries. And he was like, you know, that I, I really wish I had done things differently earlier in my career, but that was one of the main ones. And so it, we have a difficult time measuring defense because a lot of times it's about what you do out there but a lot of times too it's about what you're capable of and I think that's where a lot of Rockies fans are having a disconnect with Trevor Story because we're all going because we know what he's capable of 
And we know that if, if you're saying how good you're good, then Nick Ahmed and Trevor Story and Fernando Tatis Jr. are the three best defensive shortstops in the National League. If we're talking about how good you're good, but we also sometimes have to measure, well, what did you actually do? And this year, what Trevor actually did was muffed a few plays that you're not going to see him do very often, but it, it keeps him from getting nominated for an award. And that is probably fair. Yeah. And he comes back next year, even, you know, working even harder on those, those skills, especially going right. into, going Bro into free agency. Trevor story. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause you got, you know, you got other guys that are finalists that are also going to free, be free agents, you know, uh, Francisco Lindor, Javier Baez. So it's like, all right, show, show me the money uh, following that 2021 season. And it's really interesting to, to think about, you know, Tulowitzki having learned those things. And we know that, you know, Arenado was, he went to school. He, he, he go to, some people go to the school of hard knocks. Nolan went to the, the university of Tulowitzki. So it, it's interesting to, to think how much of an impact and, you know, Arenado says it maybe not in, in, in great detail of like, yeah, man, I, I, I owe the, the beginning of my career and everything that I do now is because of Tulowitzki. And we know that has to do with how hard that he goes all out and how serious he takes the game. But a lot of it could also be knowing when to, to lay out, knowing when to make that throw, knowing certain limitations or when, yeah, just let the left fielder pick it up. And Tulo had those injuries, felt bad about it because he realized that that those kind of things can add up or you can have that that freak injury. It's not a it's not a freak if you dive and you lay out for a ball, but you don't expect that to happen when you lay out for a ball. So it seems as if Nolan has learned those things and that's why he's been able to, you know, in the last eight seasons now, you go back and look and he's among the league leaders of playing every single game, every single inning, doing those things. Bang the drum for me, baby, because Nolan doesn't get injured. He is durable in that way. If you do the little things well, the big things take care of themselves, and you can count on Nolan Arenado to be healthy, and that could very easily be all because of what Troy Tulowitzki learned the hard way in the beginning of his career. Well, he's definitely figured that out. Hopefully that, that returns. Obviously, this, yeah. a, this last year was a tough time to, to – be saying that but that's i think that's i'm with you that's why i fully expect nolan to be back next year and to, so while a lot of the traditional numbers and the ways of looking at like guys decline and having an injury that makes it more likely that you're going to have more injuries in the future uh, i think there's actually I, I think nolan's a special case I, I think there's more evidence in the other direction uh that he's going to age relatively well adrian beltray like uh i'll say um but do you know we got to find this out? Can you bet on uh, Gold Gloves for, on DraftKings? Because if so, I've got I've got <laughs> someone to call. I've got I've got some money. To You're not going to make a lot. You got to put up a lot for Nolan. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't care what it is. How much do I have in my bank account? I I, I would. It's yeah. I don't, I don't want to. It would be like you know, plus plus six hundred. Excuse me, minus six hundred. You got to bet yeah. six hundred bucks. To win a hundred, and, and even even beyond that, it's going to be something crazy. Yeah, I, I would imagine that there's got to be something because I would think maybe before the season you could bet on these things. Sure, there's got to be some kind of exception for Nolan Arenado and the Gold Glove because the odds, <laughs> like you said, how do you how do you handicap that as an odds maker in Vegas? 
Yeah. And, and how, yeah. How do you do that with it? I mean, someone's going to figure it out. They're going to take your money. Like if you're like, all right, comeback player of the year, Matt Kemp, you go, all right, let's see. He's at Coors Field, you know, had an injury play 2019. Let's run the numbers. All right, here's what we'll, we'll pay you out. You could have that. Now, if you had Daniel Bard, pay back even more because you go, wait, did he even make the roster? Sure. Here, I don't even need to phone my boss on this weird bet. I, I'll just right. take your money. Right. And you would have you would have won, won something, you know, pretty pretty spectacular for sure. Right. <laughs> well, as of right now, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook does not have anything about the Gold Glove, but I will tell you this: DraftKings Sportsbook does have my pick of the week, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays. Friday night, tomorrow night, Game Three. Walker Bueller's on the hill for the Dodgers, but I'm sorry, my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is Charlie Morton. The dude well, owns his own steakhouse. He's fantastic in the playoffs, and he's he's done it to L.A. before. We know that. And he's at sitting at plus 143. So Ooh. Vegas and, and DraftKings, they, they like the Dodgers a little bit more there in that one. Uh, but I do not. That's my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. The Rays and Charlie Morton, more importantly, at plus 143. I like that. Morton, Morton's one of those dudes, man. He's one of those guys. He's got that extra uh, gene. Uh, I've always liked Charlie Morton. So, yes, love that pick. Love that pick. And if you haven't downloaded the app yet, make sure you do so. You've got to get it downloaded. You can bet on all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you're getting into the football season, maybe a little UFC action out there. The rugby is getting ready to heat up, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Of course, you know, we've got a handful of World Series games left here to play so you can put your baseball knowledge to use. Get a little extra skin in the game, make it that much more fun, and maybe fatten up that wallet a bit. When you download it, make sure you use the promo code DNVR because you can get a sign-up bonus of up to a 1000 bucks. That's right, a G, a K, and not a strikeout, a 1000 Dollars there for you. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Com bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to 500 bucks. Deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough restriction supply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. I love this. This I was actually going to ask you about this too. So Christopher coming in with another one. <clears throat> The big news of the day in Denver sports, of course, is the ball arena replacing. Yes. What's the news? What's the news on the basketball arena, Drew? Go ahead. What's the, the news the, on the basketball the arena? arena? You know the ball yeah. arena. It's where the ball it. team isn't that like have you seen the um on Twitter when in the NFL Washington is playing somebody and it says like football team at Jets? <laughs> no, but I can imagine. I, I just like when they have it's just the letter W it's not even stylized. It's just a W for Washington. And you go, good. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, Right. It's better. But yeah, the, the, uh, the, the football team at whoever is, is really funny, but yes, the Pepsi center will be no more. The can has been crushed. Uh, many fond memories at the can, myself but uh, it, it it is going to be replaced it sounds like by ball arena ball aerospace engineering i, I believe is uh, actually have uh, some family connections there some of the katie's family works at for ball engineering and uh it, it was 
it was that's right wild the innocent from the can to the jar uh i actually think uh, it's a yeah. pretty cool rebranding uh i i uh, of course there's going to be endless ball puns both r-rated and and perfectly g-rated just in terms of i can't know, think of any drew go ahead with one I, I couldn't i couldn't think of any what do they play there do they play ball now the puck what are the people, abs gonna do i was what? gonna say i've been thinking about my abs what the puck? <laughs> what the puck man exactly right now because ball arena and they don't even play with a ball man but um I did. I did want to say one thing. I, I, I gave a shout out yesterday, uh, just because I always find it funny. Look, as somebody who grew up in an era where Disney kept buying all of my favorite things and then shoving them in everyone's faces, and people got really mad at the hyper corporatization of the Disney company, and I had to both admit that and enjoy ninety percent of what they put out. Um, it, it's always it always tickles me like which corporate entities people like really freak out about and, and have problems with. So I sent out the thing the other day about how nutso bananas people go over the tacos thing, which I have fun with too. But it's just really funny to me that again, as somebody who's like, every time Marvel makes a new movie, I gotta live through the people rolling their eyes. But then those same people are like tacos, taco, 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 <laughs> like, like all right. And then today it was like Pepsi, Pepsi, and I'm like, guys. Yeah, it, it had a nice run. They'll be fine, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's a new era. I'm excited to what to see what they can do at Ball Arena. But the question Christopher asks is, you know, what uh, about Coors Field? Do they have like lifetime naming rights? And if it was named something else, you know, what would people's responses to that be? What would that feel like? Uh, because on the one hand, I'm over here going, eh, Pepsi Center was fun, it was great, but whatever. But then like, I have a hard time imagining the Rockies playing anywhere, but at Coors field. And that's obviously <laughs> big giant corporation. Move. Yeah. It, it has a great ring to it. Cause again, you, you think of Colorado and you think of major brands, you know, Coors brewing company is obviously a, a big player in that. And you know, these, these naming rights things are, it's a, it's a big deal. Like nobody yeah. knew what the heck in power uh, was to be fair, not many people still have any idea <laughs> what they do, which is, you know, uh, questionable at, at best. But it, put, it puts that stuff out there. You know what I mean? And it's it's advertising. It's before, you know, the Geico commercials, you didn't know what it was. And uh, my, my first uh, encounter with it had to do with the 1986 Mets because I think the team or the, I don't know, some Doc Gooden got into a, some kind of altercation and the, maybe the Mets were, uh, their insurance was through the government employee insurance company. That's what Geico stands for. Oh. Government employee insurance company, Geico. So again, you, you, these, these companies branch out to do different things and, uh, ball aerospace, which when you think of putting things in outer space, you think of Mason jars. Uh, so these <laughs> things all make sense, but for Coors Field, yeah, they, uh, spent, Coors Brewing Company spent $10 million in, uh, I don't know when the deal was struck. I'm sure it was probably before 95, the first year of Coors Field. But that $10 million deal it was before the naming rights craze, if you will. Um, so when they negotiated that deal, it was in perpetuity, which yeah. means Coors Field will always be Coors Field forever and ever. Now, Colorado could get creative 
and you know you could call it you know uh, Breckenridge ball uh, ball fields. Right. You could add right Coors Field or ballpark at Coors Field. Right. You could do something like that, and maybe to have a workaround. I don't know what that would be. Would would the companies have to you know pay a couple bucks to you know the Coors Brewing Company to be like, well, we're actually going to share the name. I, I don't know how that would be, if, how they would work that out to, to share it, yeah. but um, it's it's always going to be for better or worse. And again, I we're we're both we're critical when when we need to be critical of you know the Rockies and um, and sometimes we're just asking the questions, the critical questions. But that's just kind of bad luck of the draw, to be honest. It's, it's just an unfortunate thing that when when that deal was struck, it was really before teams knew what was going on. I mean, shoot. Globe Life Field there where they're playing the World Series, like the only reason that was built was because when Globe Life Park was first constructed, I think in 94, that was before the, you know, people realized the value of those luxury boxes and bringing in these, you know, the big money folks. So they just didn't have as many luxury boxes as they wanted to. So now they got what they wanted and the ballpark, you know, frankly, isn't as nice. You know, I I think the the previous, you know, version was, was a lot prettier and 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 I, I get it because it wasn't domed but sometimes it's just you're you're in the wrong place at the wrong time unfortunately and i think that was just the case with uh was course field it will forever be that way and and colorado rockies will not be able to take advantage of that going forward unfortunately right and so yeah one more thing in the file of the colorado rockies organization that's in some way like good for the fans and community but like bad for the business of the baseball end of things they just seem to hit that sweet spot over and over and over again don't they uh but you know uh (laughs) still uh, i think most people want it to remain coors field forever and so uh, while it does put them at that business disadvantage, <clears throat> you know, the, the people living through, again, I find it weird, but there, I saw a lot of people on Twitter today living through this weird, like I'm calling it Pepsi center forever. You can't, it's the can. And, and I get that. Like you get attached to a place, you go there, you know, every day, or, or you, you go to a lot of games over the years, you, you have memories there. Really? <laughs> I'm going to call it the Pepsi center forever. <clears throat> Great. Your Uber driver will not know where the heck to take you then. <laughs> just so you know. It's, it's right. not going to be pretty for you. Well, right. hey, Since you, you got up. Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Wrigley mm-hmm. Field. Coors Field. Hey, I know the, the Rockies just uh, put together a, a lease with the city of Denver for Coors Field. So they still got like another 26, 27 years. It's one of those names that, again, because of how beautiful Coors Field is, we don't know what's going to happen in 30 years time. But if the Rockies decide they want to, you know, move or they need a new stadium, it wouldn't shock me if, all right, hey, there's a lot of land, cheap, Commerce City, that area's blowing up, whatever it is, Coors Field too. Like, it, that would not shock me. Like, just because the name links up so well, people love it so much, could could be the same. Yankee Stadium isn't Yankee Stadium 1. It is the second version, at least the second version, depending yeah. on who you ask. That's actually really interesting. All right, bonus question for you since we're talking uh, since we're talking athletes and, and corporatism and ca- capitalism and selling stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the best athlete commercial of all time? What's your what's well, your favorite? The first thing that came to me, so it obviously would have to be the best. They've done it. They did it numerous times. I remember as a kid just being psyched. 
it was the McDonald's commercial where wasn't it Larry Bird and oh, right. Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan or was it yeah. Magic Johnson? I think I think it will say it was Jordan. And it was basically like, okay, off the tree. Basically, they were doing dude perfect. They were doing right. these crazy trick shots off the kid's head in the thing, nothing but net. And it would just get more and more elaborate. And it's like to me, when I think of it, boom. That's that's exciting. That's fun. I'd watch those again, and I think they would, you know, stand up to the test of time. What does Bo know? Absolutely. He knows archery. I know that. Those were memorable. Bo knows. Bo knows were great. Those were a lot of fun. Bo Dallas uh, knows jobbing. I know that. Uh, Fifty-six <laughs> minutes, eleven seconds. What's your uh, favorite? I was gonna say you got there just before I did, then, because the actual answer to the question is Macho Man Randy Savage snap into a slim gym. That's the actual answer. Oh, I, you did say athlete. I was wondering where you're getting at. I'm like, uh oh, is this a wrestling thing? What are we talking but, uh, about? The Bears and the Soup commercial. That was pretty great. That was a mid '80s thing, right? Uh, the Bears singing Campbell Soup. Super Bowl commercial. shuffle. They might they might have done a Campbell's one. Yeah. There was a there was a big uh, uh, wave in, in the Philly area. It was probably national when Donovan McNabb was a big deal, and Donovan Mc Donovan McNabb's mom's making him Campbell's soup. Oh, those were great. Big. Those were good, yes. right? Donovan McNa McNabb's mom showing up uh, to to bring everybody <laughs> soup. Those were phenomenal. Yes, and um, you got to know the product. That's another thing too. Is you can remember like. All right, Wild the Innocent. You said Bo knows what. What was that for? Right. Oh, right. Right. What were they selling? Well, I'll give him a chance to see if he can if he can figure it out. Um, but then Larry Johnson, who uh, was a basketball player uh, first with the Charlotte Hornets, then later on with the Knicks, uh, he was Grandmama, where he would basically uh, get dressed up like an old lady and go to basketball courts and 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 beat up on people. And that was a commercial before, you know, the, uh, the uncle drew films with, with Kyrie Irvin and Kevin Durant right. and all those guys. Um, so those are some, some great commercials. How about a commercial inside a film? The American express commercial <laughs> from major league one. Major league. Yeah. I was gonna, I thought you were going to say anything in Space Jam. I just don't remember what they were selling. Warner Brothers products, I guess. Looney Tunes stuff. Uh, I'm sure it was Nike. Jordan was probably in there. Like uh, all those clothing brands. North that Carolina basketball one. shorts. I remember that being an important part of the plot. <laughs> was it? Yeah. They have to – yeah. Uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck have to sneak back into Michael Jordan's house to get his lucky pair of shorts – from when he played in North Carolina that he says he wore like under his, his bulls shorts during okay. the finals. And, and of course, you know, they're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the, they sneak in and the dog who's named Charles Barkley tries to get him. It's a, it's a phenomenal movie. You should see it. <laughs> I, I have, I, I, I know you've seen space. Not everyone's committed it to memory the way I have. I'm just saying, look, I bought, I bought the soundtrack like everybody else, uh, listen to it like crazy. I believe I can fly R Kelly. And since then I just, we don't talk about space jam in my household. So, That's probably uh, it's, it's <laughs> been, it's been ruined. Although the movie was something I did rewatch. We're talking about old movies and we're totally getting off topic here now. Say, are, yeah. uh, and I, and I, I, I don't watch a lot of movies, but uh, I, I had a little downtime with, uh, with my wife and flipping through and see what's available. Saw something that's kind of a cult classic. And I said, I don't think I've seen this since I was a kid. Let's see if it holds up. I think it did. I enjoyed it. Beetlejuice. 
It's good. Oh, okay. It's I, I really while. enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I haven't seen that probably since I was in middle school or high school, probably high school. So yeah. I, I think it I, I should go back and check it out. And a lot of a lot of little um a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of Tim Burton Easter eggs. There's even one point where when Beetlejuice uh comes out, I I said it twice now, I have to can't say it again. But when you know who uh comes out, this one scene he's got like a carousel on his head, and there's a little skull on top of the carousel, and I'm pretty sure it's Jack Skellington, who we would see later on down in, in the nightmare before Christmas. Uh, there's a little veiled Batman thing somewhere. Yeah. And so a lot of little different, you know, Tim Burton elements that uh, that were, it was kind of cool. So I, I enjoyed it. And it was short too. So Alec Baldwin is crazy young. Looks like Ryan Gosling in the film. Like right. it's like there's like a weird resemblance going on there. Catherine O'Hara from, from Shit's Creek. Right. Uh, it, it was good. It was good. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my list of uh, random things from that era to go back and check out. I like I think I mentioned we've been watching Star Trek: The Next Generation holds up extraordinarily well. Uh, there are a couple other things we've checked out, not so much. A lot of uh, like Mad TV and stuff from the '90s that we've gone back and been like, oh, remember that classic sketch that we love? You're like, oh, this is problematic. Uh oh, hot dog with Bobby Lee. Is that one of them? <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> there's, there's a, um, sadly, uh, Miss Swan, which was always our, one of our favorites. Oh, uh, yeah, and he you know, resembles a man. Yeah, yeah. in 2020 eyes, it's not nearly as to me. funny as when I was nine. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway, on that note. <laughs> Hey, we're going to have a whole lot of fun on tomorrow's show because we are going to do Free Trade Friday again. We're going to be talking about trades the Colorado Rockies can make. And the best part is they could be the exact trades you want to see happen. All you got to do is go to BaseballTradeValues.com. You can use their tool there or you can just kind of search through what they've got. And if you see something interesting, send it our way. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, at Patrick Lyons, at Patrick D. Lyons, at Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You can email either of us, Drew at the DNVR.com or Patrick at the DNVR.com. You can show up at Fridays, uh, 405 uh, on Facebook or Periscope and just give us your ideas. Though, again, we're, we're trying to make sure that they're structured around uh, the reason we're using this tool is so that they're, you know, semi-realistic. If you show up and you're like, Hey, the Rockies should trade Daniel Murphy for Jacob DeGrom. We're just, we're just going to ignore him. Uh, but <laughs> this is a, I think a great exercise for us to have. Patrick and I will bring a couple that we can talk about uh, some ideas, but we want to see yours as well. And we also want everyone out there to experience a little bit, the fun and the challenge of putting together your own trade that works that, you know, the other team might actually be interested in making. So if you think you can come up with a trade that makes the Colorado Rockies better or makes them purposefully worse, uh, send it to us. And, you know, if you, if there's a little extra explanation into, you know, what you're doing with this move that you want to send along with the email, the, the tweet, whatever, Go ahead and do that. And if you tweet at us, use the hashtag Free Trade Friday. That way we can find it really, really easily. Just let us know the players the Rockies are sending out, who you're getting back. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to be doing this every Friday throughout the offseason, I think. So just hit us up anytime. If you're not sure you've got a perfect one, you want to save it to next week, that's fine too. But uh, 
it's just fun, man. We're just out here having a little bit of fun, uh, playing around with the roster. I think there's another term for that that I just elected not to use because nah. <laughs> we are we are we already got away with Schitt's Creek and a few other, <laughs> you know, we're talking about movies for five minutes and all that stuff. So thanks everyone for listening into this episode. Make sure you join us for free trade Friday tomorrow. Continue to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.